0: And here we are at the East Cleveland Public Library, 14101 Euclid Avenue in the Ichabod Fluellen Studios. And we're here on Living the Blues. And today we're here with
1: Carol Shahid, Marianne Harris, the (laughs) storyteller, Ebony Bogan.
0: And my name is Yasin Asami. And we're here today to have a discussion on the book uh, on Juneteenth by Miss Annette Gordon-Reed. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, Miss Shaheed and give us a little historical background. Here's Miss Shaheed give us a, a lead okay. into the book.
2: What I uh, noticed right away when I <clears throat> read the book, she starts off with the 1500s in that region. And uh, she says, you talk about the Plymouth Rock, Talk about what happened uh, Jamestown of uh, black people first entering the United States, and that's not true because she brings up Vanico In the book, she says es- Estebanico, but in reality, it's este Vanico And he was a slave that came in the 1500s with uh, Spanish explorers, and uh, <clears throat> he and his um, companions were captured by the Indians and they stayed here for five years. In the meantime, he was very—he uh, got very familiar with the people. He learned the language. So it, it disputed the, the theory that black people were inferior to white people because he learned the language of the Indians that white ex, uh, explorers could not do. And um, he learned the language. He was a ladies' man. The women were very much attracted to him. After five years, they, they figured out a way to escape, and they did. So, but she wants to point out that the, um, the appearance of black people in the United States did not start with, uh, the, uh, you know, um, Plymouth or Jamestown in 1619. You have the 19 people that was blown offshore. It actually started in the 1500s. You have, um, <clears throat> during the Civil War, as a means to um, or the Confederate Army, uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, the purpose of the proclamation was to free slaves in states that was part of the Confederate States of America. It had nothing to do with uh, s- slaves that were in part of the Union. So, but it was only effective if they actually won the war. Okay, So it took two years for it to be effective when you have, um, I think it's Granger. Oh, yeah, well, actually you have um, General Lee surrenders to General Grant. At diplomatic courthouse, and that officially ended the war. But people in Texas kept fighting because they hadn't heard about the war was actually over with. So they fought, and they actually was winning battles. So when it comes to them with this, um, this a uh, Granger uh, from uh, he's a uh, United States general. He comes to Texas. Texas, he issues a um, a, a, a document. I think it's General Something Three. I forget and the document says that they have to um, give freedom to all the slaves. Now the Texans couldn't believe it because they had been fighting all along and they had been winning and news came late to them. So eventually when he said he made that announcement, he told the slaves you can continue working here but you have to receive wages and etc. So when, when slaves heard about it, so the the when they heard when uh, the war actually ended in um, April, they fought until May. And then eventually, when he arrives to enforce it, and he was actually traveling to different Southern states, um, they heard about it. It was in sometime in June. So when it was announced to the slaves, it was the 19th of June. So the slaves were celebrating. Of course, if you celebrate, white people was <laughs> didn't like it, and a lot of black people were beat up and they were treated really badly. But they kept celebrating anyway. And to this day. They celebrate Juneteenth big time in Texas. I talked to my cousin, and he said it's huge. They have parades and everything. And they talked about the diet and things that they had during that time. The first slaves, what they ate, and etc.
0: I know uh, when I was raised in East Tennessee, we never celebrated Juneteenth. We, it, it was segregated, so consequently, we uh, we couldn't go to couldn't celebrate the Fourth of July because all the other places were segregated. So what we celebrated was August 8th. I never went to a Fourth of July celebration or or a Juneteenth celebration probably till I was high school. All the time I was growing up, it was August eighth. And that's how we wrote. You know, that's that's how, and that's 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 grounded there because the slaves like in Texas they knew it on the 19th. In Tennessee we, we yeah. nineteen people were still in slavery in certain parts. You know what I mean? On the nineteenth of June, so we didn't know until that, or they didn't know until, or we till the eighth. When I was looking at her book, one of the things that that caught me was, yeah, you know, it's it's this was a difficult book for me because it was repetitive in a lot of different ways. I, I was. I had to go through a whole lot of other stuff that I had been reading and read before and the stuff. And I'm glad she brought the thing up about the Spanish because the Comanches controlled the middle of the United States from Canada all the way down to Mexico. And they never traded with white folks. They never traded with Europeans. They didn't trust them. They didn't trade with them. So they was good at that at that point. So what happened is by the Comanches controlling the middle of the United States, the United States wasn't developing. That's why they came up with the railroads. Cause they developed, if you look at the way the country developed, it developed on the East coast and it was developing on the West coast. And what the, what the U.S. government did is push all of the Indians on the East coast towards the middle of the country. And because, and, that, and one of the reasons was that the Comanches was a savage tribe. Now they wasn't like that originally. The Spanish introduced the horse to the Comanches because Comanches was a nomadic tribe. They did they, they just roamed around. They didn't they wasn't warriors, but they got so good on horses, using the horse that they was controlling the middle of the country. Could nobody outfight them? One of the weaknesses that they had was that they were dealing with the buffalo. The buffalo was there their whole life. You know what I mean? So uh, what happened is uh, in Texas, in which this now this takes us back to Texas. With her, she was which happened is that there was a some young white girl that they the Comanches captured. They made her part of the tribe. She married one of the chiefs. When she married one of the chiefs, she had a child. That child was part Comanche and white. He became one of the major warriors with the Comanches. So he fought, and he was ferocious. Now, in the meantime, the U.S. government, they knew that. They wasn't controlling nothing, but so they pushed all the Indians, Cherokee, whoever else, to the middle of the Comanche. And Comanches killed everybody. They just killed them. It's like, hey, man, you ain't no Comanche, you're going to die. If you're white, you die. If you're Indian, you ain't a Comanche, you die. And they knew that. So that was part of their way to get rid of a lot of the Indians. We're having a discussion uh, on by the, the book on Juneteenth by Miss Annette Gordon-Reed. And uh, we're going to defer to one of the other folk here.
1: Hello, this is Mary Ann Harris and... I would like to bring out some points on Annette Gordon-Reed's uh, book on Juneteenth. Annette Gordon-Reed was a, is a professor at Harvard, and she was born in Texas. So I think during the time I heard, <coughs> during the time of the pandemic, she wrote this book. Um, it's a short book. To me, it was an easy read. I did not read the chapters from front, from the first chapter to the last chapter. I did not read the book in order. I started out reading the last chapter first because I was interested in what was said about Juneteenth. And I found it interesting after I read through it that this uh, General uh, Gordon, not... The uh, general from the Granger, Granger, let let me get his name straight. Gordon Gordon Granger, Mm he um, wrote order number three. So actually before I read that he wrote the order throughout the book, I found that out back in the last chapter. I was actually thinking the order... He was just presenting the order that was already written, but it was stated that he wrote the order and presented it. I found that interesting. Um, that the people in Texas were not happy about it, of course, because they would lose money on the slave trade. But what I liked about the way she wrote the book was she told, she put in her personal. Um, stories and I like the story where she mentioned that she was the only um, African American girl at Anderson Elementary School because they were able to choose a school and the whites of course chose the white schools and the blacks um, African Americans chose the African American schools but her parents selected an African a non a white school and she was the only black student in the school and for me that said a lot i thought she might have i i should have heard about her somewhere in history like ruby bridges and all these um children but it was not stated so they didn't make a big incident out of that
0: uh you know one of the things that i find is Incidentally, that kind of thing kind of happened during the time of integration all across the country. It yeah. kind of, it kind of, right. kind of happened because I remember a friend that I talked to in Knoxville, Moja, He and his sister. Most people think he graduated with me from Austin East, which was the school that they combined the white school, which was East High, the black high school, which is Austin, together and made Austin East, but he didn't. He and his sister were the only two blacks in corners. Uh, the only two, you know. So that kind of mm-hmm. thing kind of hit, you know, all across the country in different ways, you know. So, and I so that's when she when and I and I read that about her, you know, because mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. You know, it just it wasn't something, you know, a lot of stuff that happened to us. Was wasn't something that was kind of planned. It was just something that just happened here. Mm-hmm. We heard about it if you was close to it. If you didn't, you didn't. It's just like anything else. Just like Emmett Till. Emmett Till was something we heard about, but that wasn't the only thing. That wasn't. A, that was a. That was a rule. That was an exception. Anyway, we I defer to Miss Shaheen.
2: You know, I, it's like she was extorted by Marshall, though. She had a person go with her, but you had integration that was going on. But she, like Ruby Bridges, she had like someone uh, with her from the military. Her as well.
1: father. It her says father in the book that her father her. took her to school every was, day. She didn't ride the bus. Right. With the uh, children, right. he took but her. But once to she school. got
2: there, it was some kind of military thing going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and this is kind of unique to me because I went. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. So when all this stuff, I had no idea what they had to go through. I had a cousin who lives in Texas now, and he explained that experience. Mm -hmm. And he said that when they first went there, same experience she had, they Mm -hmm. excluded him from everything, and they would call, you know, the pressure that they had. He says the following week there was no problems whatsoever. And I think she had the same problem there. After a Mm -hmm. year, she was more or less accepting. They went on about their business. Yeah. But I think it's it's, it's just strange that these things are happening because uh, when I went to a middle school, was integrated. When I went to college, I was the only black person in the class, but I didn't think anything about it because I went to a high school that was, had white people in it. So when I hear about all this other stuff, and I remember when Kennedy was assassinated, which in the book they bring up how Texans mm-hmm. celebrated the fact that he was killed, it, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. Um, I wanted to bring up, you want to say something? Yes, um, Ebony Bogan. I was I was thinking about the situation where she was going to school or she was the only black. And I've been in that situation as well. But um, she also stated that they didn't really they kind of glossed over slavery as far as history was concerned. Mm -hmm. And that's still happening today. Um, so we're still glossing over slavery and now fighting to make sure that it's even spoken about in any kind of realistic term whatsoever right now, not indentured service servants or however they're trying to put it. So the the whitewashing of history was going on. Um and it continues to go on and on and Absolutely. on. Absolutely. You know what's shocking to me? The Yellow Rose of Texas story. Mm. I was shocked, I didn't know that the Yellow Rose was a black woman. And you have it talks about Santa Ana fighting against the Mexicans who's trying to take over the territory and how um <clears throat> and they trying to, because they want to bring their slaves in. And the people that we honored, at least I thought at least I did J David Bowie and uh Jim Bowie and David David Crockett was heroes. But they were actually slave traders. And I, I like never, cause I used to sing that song. Daniel Boone was a man. He was on TV and I was singing with everybody, but he was like a slave trader and they, um, the problem with the Mexicans, they wanted to bring slaves into Mexico and, and Mexicans was against it. So these people fought at the Alamo and, and Alamo and they became heroes. But this woman, she might have been Lewis instead. This black woman, they uh, got caught the eye of Santa Ana, who was the head of the Mexicans, and they think that she distracted him, and they were able to take her with Elmo. And the original song was about the darkies, Mm. which blew my mind. Did everybody, where's that? (laughs) It says, there was a yellow gal in Texas, and I'm going down to see, no other darky know her. No darky, only me. She cries to so when I left her. That is what I like. That is like to break my heart. And if I only find her, we will never ever part. So they talking about this dark-skinned, light-skinned black woman who they use to distract Santa Anna in order to take over the Alamo. Now, eventually, they changed the words of the song as time went on, but I didn't know it was a black woman who was referred to as the Yellow Rose of Texas.
0: That it came up before.
2: I never read it.
0: Yeah, I had heard it before, but I just I, it hadn't stuck. You know what I mean? But so when I read really, what she read, because to me this this book it was a, it was a lot of other pieces from other places. You know what I mean? So it was hard for me to get through it because it was like repetition. I was like.
1: Well, I think she wrote it like that because yeah. if you look yeah, at like what she, um, she's she's a um, she had written several other historical books, mm-hmm. but in this particular book, she decided to put in a lot of personal right yes, um, information and stories because she wanted to bring in that personal experience. Right. However, I think she could write from that perspective because she was a lawyer. She was up on the different cases. And I really think that she projected in being a lawyer that when Biden um, won the presidency mm-hmm. that he would sign that bill and that's why I think she wrote this book because now the book is selling like wow. It's, wow, did you get the book? You can't find copies. Um, They're ordering books from everywhere, Cleveland Public. They don't have any. Asked someone to get the book so that they could read it. They said, oh.
0: So here we are at the East Cleveland Public Library, 14101, Euclid Avenue. We've been discussing today uh, on Juneteenth by Miss Annette Gordon. And uh, we hope you enjoy this discussion and we'll be see you again in the East Street Public
2: Lab.